0: Universities are trying to keep a promise they made to the legislature to limit tuition rate hikes, but with continuing state cutbacks, will they be able to stick to it? Funding, athletics, new academic programs, there's a lot going on in the world of higher education. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, and today on Noon Edition, we'll sit down with Indiana University President Michael McRobbie. We'll discuss the new Global global Studies School and the new Media School, as well as the closing of the ProTime Therapy Center and the impact that will have on the Bloomington community. Plus, we invite you to join the conversation and ask President McRobbie your questions after this hour's news. Production support comes from Smithville Communications, serving Southern Indiana with fiber gigabit internet and digital IPTV. More information at smithville.net.
1: And from School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life, publichealth.indiana.edu.
0: Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of The Herald Times, along with co-host Sarah Whitmire, the news bureau chief of WFIU and WTIU, and we will spend our hour today with Indiana University President Michael McRobbie. You can join the discussion by calling us at 855-0811 in Bloomington, or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area, or you can join a live chat at wfiu.org slash Noon Edition or you can follow us on Twitter, at Noon Edition. So, President McRobbie, welcome. Delighted to be here, Bob and Sarah. Always always good to have you. Always happy to There's come to visit. Always a lot going on with Indiana University. I, I just wanted to start out by uh, noting that you were on C-SPAN yesterday. I think you were on there for about 45 minutes. They had their C-SPAN bus in town. Mm-hmm. And one of the early issues that you talked about was trying to make college more affordable because mm-hmm. that's one of the big challenges, of course, facing everybody today. So I, I wanted to give you the opportunity to, to talk here about what I use doing to try to make make it more affordable for hoosiers to and and other people to come to school here well uh,
2: c- keeping uh not only making it affordable but keeping an iu education af- affordable is has been a, a priority of of ours um if, certainly ever since i became president it's been a, a priority of my predecessors as well in, in various ways uh, but but i think um in in this day and age especially as we've gone through a Period of difficulty in the economy, which which frankly is not uh, completely over. Um, I think that's really focused uh, the need to ensure that we can provide an education that is 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 affordable by the people of Indiana, who we serve as the state's largest public um, university, and we've. Put in place a, a a whole range of different programs, and and part of what we've tried to do is, is is to is to experiment to try different approaches uh, to this this issue. We've obviously focused on efficiency within the university and a whole range of ways to that will save money and that will have an have an impact on affordability. But but there's the couple I'd like to mention because because I think they are they they are fairly exciting, and we, we have seen the impact already of these. Um, the first is, and of course, as you mentioned, Bob, yesterday I spoke uh, on C-SPAN. But, um, but, but one of these is the programs we have in place to try to reduce student debt. Um, th- this is this has been a, a major national issue now for for a couple of years, and, and I think rightly so. We hear uh, uh, all the time about students taking on large amounts of debt, and then that being very difficult for them to. Uh, Discharge uh, over the the rest of their um, well certainly their early careers as well, Uh, and but but a a lot of the problem is is simply that not enough has been done to educate students um, about uh, financial management about the actual consequences of the debt that they that they take on. So we announced uh, now about a year ago we announced um, a program of uh, aimed at a, a variety of different ways to reduce st- student debt. Um, a, a compulsory module on f- uh, financial literacy and uh, personal financial management for all incoming freshmen right across the university or campuses, courses for credit in, um, in, in, in personal fiscal management, going, going into certain matters in more detail, budgeting and so on as well. S- relatively simple things like like actually giving students Statements of of their debt, and 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 then what the likely um, amounts are going to be that 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 they will have to pay to pay this off and over what kind of period to really give them a sense of what they're taking on when they when they take on debt, it's it's almost in some cases been too easy. It's been like just uh, getting a credit card in the mail and going out and starting to spend money, and before you know it, you've you know racked up five thousand bucks or something and. Uh, and and then at it, 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 interest rates it gets difficult to pay off so so all of that collectively um, has has had an enormous impact and we announced um, now a few uh, months ago that uh, last year that, that we saw uh, a reduction of 11 percent in the amount of um, student uh, or student loans that students had, had taken out which totaled about uh, 31 million dollars across the institution and and this is this obviously is is going to continue these programs and and other uh, other ways in which we'll expand on enhance and so on these various programs but but in reflecting on that and i again i mentioned this yesterday but in reflecting on that you, you think about the fact that there are 4,600 universities in this country um and what we did was was relatively straightforward to do um all credit to the people who put it in place all credit to those who are executing on it but was relatively straightforward. So so other institutions should follow should be able to follow suit. Now we're a big institution, but there are others that are bigger. Uh, but if you imagine this across all of those universities, the impact would be in the tens of billions of dollars in terms of student debt uh, nationally. So 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 this is this is one focus. The second focus uh, for us is uh, a targeted programs uh, to to, um, to to basically keep um, uh, 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 tuition uh, low or discounted in certain ways and and the the one I want to mention in particular is what we call our finish in four program there the, the the basic idea is that if a student is in good academic standing after after two years uh, then um, they will, uh, Basically, have their tuition frozen for the next two years if they can graduate uh, in those in those two years. So, it's an incentive. It's an incentive to to graduate um, on time, uh, and this this is going to affect um, somewhere we estimate in the vicinity of eight thousand students this this year, uh, and and th- this this clearly is a, a way not, of not just having a a blanket across the board. Um, Reduction or freezing of tuition or something, but something that's actually targeted on students and, and 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 gives them some skin in the game, so so they have to they have to continue to work hard. I mean, if they don't finish in four years, then then they will pay the normal tuition after that. Okay. Uh, and um, this seems to have been w- welcomed, and uh, we're in the uh, that that's now started, and we're going to start to see the the impact of that. Now they are just two programs, but both are sort of innovative. Both. Uh, are, are really focused on how to how to really engage the students themselves in, in ways that'll both help them graduate more quickly, and if you graduate more quickly, you take on less debt, and, and ways in which they themselves can get better control over the amount of debt that they take on.
1: And I know that's something that the legislature was certainly focused on, keeping tuition rate increases low. Um, so tied to that though, it, is the university funding provided by the state. And I'm curious, so we know Governor Pence cut what had been given to universities by 2% last year. Recently, about a month ago, announced another 2% reduction. So I guess my first question related to that is, did that come as a surprise? Were you expecting the possibility that that money might be taken back?
2: Uh, y- yes, it did come as a surprise. A and uh, we... we uh um, regret that uh, it was necessary to do that, but um, we we also understand the, the the fiscal situation in the in the state. But but I I think um, uh, it is important to note that uh, at a meeting of the state budget committee a few weeks ago, the state budget director committed to restoring that second two percent if the state. Hits its revenue targets uh, this year, and so far, I think things are looking reasonably, reasonably positive uh, for that. And we we are hoping that, um, and have had, obviously had discussions, or continue to have discussions that that uh, that it may be possible to do that for the first two percent, or find, it there may be possible to find some other way in which some of that may able, may may be able to be restored. Um, we obviously uh, have taken. Um, the, the appropriate measures internally to to deal with uh, uh, these cuts and uh, to to absorb them in, in uh, various ways but they they have made um, a, our job uh, just a little bit harder uh, by uh, by by doing that and um, uh, I certainly hope in the upcoming session of the legislature um, from whom we we got just excellent support last time I, I, I can't speak too highly of the the level of support that we got from the legislature, both in terms of the increase in our operating budget, which was in the range of 3.5 um, uh, percent, the the rest, the partial restoration of R and R, which is so critical, and you probably see the impact of that around the campus at the moment, um, and uh, uh, and and also in about 120 odd million dollars in funding for for um, major renovations and uh, and new buildings in the university.
1: It seems like this is more isolated to the governor, though, um, and, and maybe not the legislature so much.
2: Well, he does have the authority to do this, um, and, uh, and, and I think, though, that um, uh, the, uh, the state budget committee, which is a committee that combines both the legislature and the, and the governor's um, office uh, at, at the hearing, Sarah, that I referred to before, have already indicated that um, that, as I said, if, if revenue state revenue uh, mm-hmm. figures are hit, uh, then um, then the 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 first amount, sorry, the second cut will be will right. be restored,
1: right?
2: And that I regarded as being a very positive step, and. Um, Grateful to all those who were involved in agreeing to that as well. Our guest today is Indiana University
0: President Michael McRobbie. If you want to join the conversation, 855 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. Or you can join the live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition or follow us on Twitter. Uh, you mentioned all the building, and of course, we're sitting here in the uh, in the studio, and we're kind of in the shadow of the new Global and International Studies building, which is which is being built. You're going to be traveling soon. You're going to Turkey, and you've done quite a bit of international travel. The international connections have been uh, important to you since you began. It was one of the one of one of your stated goals to make sure that IU is connected to the world. And you know, I just wanted to. to ask you to sort of update those goals in terms of, or not those goals, but update that goal in terms of the the fact that the world is, you know, there are all sorts of problem spots and trouble spots. And IU has, you know, had a lot of uh, contact with Ukraine, for instance, in the past. I mean, how does what's going on in the rest of the world affect your interest and what you can do in terms of uh, building IU as an international
2: university? Well, let's. Uh, that's a, a great question, Bob, in the, in the sense that I think it 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 uh, really underscores um, the importance of what we're doing in in this area. Um, uh, I I I would say that um, that there is probably uh, nothing more important as part of the education of uh, students at Indiana University than the um, the, the the international engagement. Uh, aspect of of their education that that um, ideally it, it, that they can get by by um, studying abroad. Uh, I think this may be a t- touch controversial to say this, but I think that there have been um, uh, a, a number of uh, um, uh, international uh, problems and issues that that the United States has got itself into that that may be. Uh, W- wouldn't have happened had uh, there been people with a deeper understanding of the countries that were uh, that, that were involved there i mean this is a widely spread um, a widely heard uh, uh comment about uh, our engagement in iraq for example as well um, and uh I, I there there actually are um uh, no really major centers for international studies across the board undergraduate masters PhD level um, in the in the Midwest. Uh, they're either on the East Coast or some on the on the West Coast, and uh, uh, w- we see there as being a a major need for uh, producing more internationally educated, internationally literate uh, students. Not just those who are foreign affairs specialists and diplomats and who work in various agencies in Washington. I think that's all in, in, incredibly important, but. But people who work in business and and NGOs and and uh, and other um, organisations that that they that they have a they have a, a, a deeper than average understanding of some parts of the world and ideally, if possible, speak um, uh, speak a foreign language um, as well. And that's sort of the that that's the the big picture behind what we're trying to achieve. And we're trying to achieve it in a number of different ways uh, through uh, increasing the number of students who study abroad. And uh, we rank. This campus, Bloomington, ranks number five in the country out of 1,200-odd universities ranked, something I'm extremely proud of. Um, we, we rank about number 10 in terms of uh, foreign students at IU. Um, th- th- they, they, I think, add to the diversity of the campus and its, um, it's interna- internationalization. But they go on to become just wonderful supporters uh, not just of Indiana University when they go back to their home country, but frankly, they're, they're uh, in my experience, all very pro-American too, and they and they they admire the system in which they were educated in in the United States and the support of it in their home countries, and then go on to be people of real significance. I mean, we, we have alums in extraordinarily um, uh, senior positions all, all all around the world as as well, and to do all this, you need to engage, which is what we're doing in Turkey. You need to be able to engage and build relationships with. The top universities in in the major countries on which we are focused, of which there's about which there's about 30. Turkey is important to us because we don't we don't really have a, uh, a a set of major relationships with a country in the Middle East. Obviously, a very um, volatile part of the world at the moment. Turkey is relatively stable. It has very good universities. Um, we have a great fund of expertise in the study of Turkey as a country, both ancient and modern, and in uh, the study of Turkish as a language, and the other Turkic languages as well. We have the only national flagship center in Turkish and Turkic languages at at IU and and so on as well. So that's some of the background, and this is the systematic theme through pretty much every major overseas trip that that we've made in the last seven or eight years. Mm -hmm.
1: So the new dean of the school is a former ambassador, so as you think ahead to other faculty, Appointments. Will we see other career diplomats or State Department veterans?
2: I, I I think uh, as far as the School of Global and International Studies is concerned, I think the kind of mix that one wants to see see is is of um, uh, people with just extraordinary scholarly expertise in in certain parts of the world, uh, both modern but also also ancient uh, uh, as well, so so that you you have a indisputably strong academic base um, uh, uh, based on people of real knowledge and expertise a part of the world and then combining that with um, people who maybe have had uh, more more recent um, practical experience, maybe through the State Department or, or some other agency as well. This is the model you see in some of the the other uh, major schools in international studies around the country and uh, around the world for that matter. And uh, I think it's the model. And we already have a number of uh, former diplomats, not not only um, Ambassador Feinstein, but but other diplomats around the campus um, in various schools and, and what have you. And of course, we're very uh, proud of the fact that um, Professor of Practice Lee Hamilton and Professor of Practice Dick Luger are members of the faculty of the uh, of the New School as well. And I would see I, I would see that as being the kind of mix that we're, we're aiming for there. And you, I think you mentioned Bob about Ukraine um, mm-hmm. because uh, because Ambassador Feinstein was um, Dean Feinstein was a. Former ambassador Poland, which is right beside the Ukraine, he's actually um, has has a, written quite a few pieces actually on the situation in in the Ukraine that have that have been uh, well received.
1: Mm-hmm. Can you talk about some of the resources the new school will have as well?
2: Well, um, the, the the new school is uh, uh, much of it is is based on the pre existing uh, centers and departments and um, programs uh in the college of arts and sciences but but uh it it also has associated with it um uh, additional faculty who will um uh, who will be involved in the work of the school from from other schools uh, spear the kelly school of business and and, and so on as well in terms of resources i mean obviously one of the key things is the new building that uh, bob is referring to in, in in the shadow of which uh, you you labor every day here and uh, uh and as you can see that's um that's going along very well and is um uh, due to be completed next summer, and uh, we'll do a ground, we'll do a dedication sometime in the in the fall next year. Um, I think it's going to be a superb building, and is is just going to move us to the next level in terms of the focus and concentration of what we're doing in international studies. Um, but the the provost and I have selectively invested in a few areas, uh, in in particular within the the school. One of them, which is something that is um, uh, that, I, that I'm particularly interested in is um, we, we, have, we have expertise in just about every part of the world. I mean, it's really quite remarkable and, and deep expertise too um, in, in many parts of the world. Um, and, and again, it's across the board. It's contemporary. It's, uh, it, it's older in some areas. The one area of the world where we don't have a huge amount of expertise is a part of the world I'm quite familiar with um, from my previous life, uh, and, and that is Southeast Asia. And and ASEAN, ASEAN being the uh, the the collection of the ten, uh, 10 major nations in in Southeast Asia, collectively half the GNP, half the population of China. Uh, many of the countries there being very pro pro American and and uh, uh, like Vietnam, uh, ironically where I just was um, last year, sorry, early this year, and and so on. And um, uh, I, I, one of the things we we want to do is build up our um, our expertise in the in the um, uh, the study of of con- contemporary Southeast Asia and the ASEAN, ASEAN countries, but also of um, the some of the languages of of that part of um, of the world. So that's that's a process that's underway at the moment. I believe that the dean's in the process of trying to identify a person to take on the role as director of that that new centre in that in that area.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Uh- I wanted to follow up about that, too, because the the school, the new school, um, the new global school is under the college, the new media school is under the mm-hmm. college. And there have been, uh, I have to, I guess, candidly say there's been some criticism of having these schools be under the college That perhaps it creates another layer of uh, leadership where maybe there doesn't need to be be any so I just wanted to ask you about you know that new or that structure of having these new independent schools or these schools be under the College of Arts and Sciences as well
2: well um the there's There's nothing sort of God-given about the old hierarchical structure under which the universities work. And I'd I'd like to think that at organisations that pride themselves on being creative and flexible, that that we can try to adopt a new model of of organisation and management that tries to cater to the needs of all involved. I mean, I think, you know, you were speaking candidly, Bob. I think candidly again... Um, many of the faculty who are happy to be in the School of Global and International mm. Studies were very concerned about leaving the college altogether. This is this was a kind of I think a, a good way in which in which they could remain as part of the College of Arts and Sciences, but also be part of a new grouping that has a, a, a large uh, amount of um, uh, independence and can and can um, uh, develop uh, its its uh, its own. Um, uh, sort of standing and and uh, and its own sort of visibility as as well, and I I think that's the goal of SGIS. It's also the goal of the media school as, as well. It's just, it has the same the same goals, and uh, uh, we may well see more of these kinds kinds of arrangements. I'm. I, uh, it's, it's, it's also not new, if you, if you go and have a look at the College at Berkeley, they have schools within the College at Berkeley, so it wasn't as if this was a particularly new idea either as well. But I think it is a creative way in which we are trying to uh, use our organization flexibly to, to enable us to do what, at the end of the day, really is the most important thing, and that is provide new education and research opportunities for our students and faculty. Right. All right. We're going to have to take a short break. We're uh, visiting with Indiana University
0: President Michael McRobbie today. We have another half an hour in the program. If you have questions or comments, and we do have one one question we'll get to right after the break. But if you have questions or comments, 855-0811 in Bloomington, 1-877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat at Twitter or at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. Or you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from The Herald Times along with co-host Sarah Whitmire, News Bureau Chief of WFIU and WTIU. Uh, We're spending the hour with Indiana University President Michael McRobbie today, and if you have a question or a comment, 855-0811 Eight five five zero eight one one in Bloomington, or one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight outside of the Bloomington area, or you can join the live chat at WFIU.org slash noon You could also uh, contact us through Twitter at noon edition. So we have a a comment uh, from Twitter actually. Uh, Jack on Twitter says or asks, "What are your thoughts on the future of tenure in higher education?"
2: Oh, I I think that that tenure is just Absolutely, um, a critical part of uh, of our university system—not uh, just at IU, but at all other major universities—it um, it arose over uh, decades, centuries, probably um, uh, as as a way of of ensuring that uh, that that faculty were able to pursue completely untrammeled by any other uh, considerations, um, political, what, social, what have you. Um, their their research um, it is it is rigorously earned. As someone who has to sign off on these at the end of the day here, I, I I'm well aware of the <clears throat> the process here at IU. It's uh, it, it is um, rigorously attained. Um, it's a, a, a system that goes through about eight different uh, s- uh, substantial steps before the final recommendation comes to me and that goes to the board of trustees. And um, uh, and, and it, it, it is um, it, it is something that has various checks and balances in it in terms of um, ensuring that uh, that people who are just not going to um, make the grade when it comes to getting tenure um, are advised of that at an earlier stage and can move on to something else um, I think the one thing I would add Bob is that is there has been some interest in uh, looking at our a process of post-tenure review and this is something that the, the faculty councils have picked up and are, and are looking at at the moment. Uh, um, some other universities in the state, uh, Ball State has, uh, has started to uh, have a look at its post-tenure review uh, process as well and um, through our faculty councils this is going to be uh, looked at um, at, uh, at IU too but, uh, but it is just a, just a fundamental part of, of, of being, a, being a university.
1: I want to get back to the new media school real quickly, if we can. I'm just wondering how the school is going to be able to compete with some well-established media programs, such as those at Berkeley, NYU, Mizzou is a great program.
2: Oh yes, I'm 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 quite familiar with some of these programs. I, uh, in fact, a lot of our thinking was. Um, in, in, in establishing the media school was was sort of influenced by some of these other programs. The, the other one I mentioned is the Annenberg School at, U, at USC, I think a p- particularly fine program that I'm familiar with. Um, uh, it, obviously, uh, to, to be competitive, uh, th- there are a number of factors. I mean, you need an outstanding dean. We're in the process of a search to identify uh, that uh, that dean at the moment, um, <clears throat> we expect to have a person Identified um, uh, within the next um, uh, month or so, uh, there um, you we 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 have, the school is based on um, uh, outstanding faculty from uh, really four different areas, and uh, uh, but it also provides us I think the opportunity to start building in in these um, cross disciplinary areas that that really forms such a large part of the motivation for establishing the school. The conversions of all media because everything's digital, um, and and uh, and that the impact that that is having. I mean, you can you can simply no longer, at least most people can no longer just be um, a print journalist or an ex-journalist or Y journalist. I mean that they have to have the versatility to be able to move across formats and uh, to be um, uh, proficient and literate in in uh, social media and and so on as well. And I think that that was. That was something that that um, many of the faculty in those programs all saw, and uh, they saw this as an opportunity by aggregating their strength to be able to build something larger than they could do sort of individually. And and, and, nothing but praise for for their efforts in that regard. Though I know it um, was not without some heartache on the part of some. Um, So um, there are other aspects too, providing facilities of real quality. And uh, I was just in Franklin Hall giving um, a, a talk this morning to another group, and um, uh, and that the renovation on on that building will start in the next couple of months, and that is going to be an outstanding facility for the for the new school. And uh, I, I think that the the pre-existing quality of many of those programs is aggregated together, but then with a, with a whole new. Um, uh, academic um, structure in terms of uh, courses and uh, uh, the programs, degrees, and so on, all of which has been worked through at the moment, all of which we hope to have done by the end of this academic year, uh, is going to put us, I think, in a very good place to, to to be competitive. I I think it's the case that there there most of the major what I think of as being the the, the new with the small end, media schools tend to be again like with international relations I was talking about before tend to be in the east or the west coast off the top of my head. There's a few other ones around, but, but I think that there an the opportunity to, um, to, to, to become a major presence in this area in the Midwest. All right, we have a phone
0: call and uh, it's Susan from Bloomington. Susan? Hi. Hey, go ahead.
1: Hi, I wonder President McGrawby, if you could talk about freshman advising. It's possible for an 18 year old to arrive on campus and have a chemistry advisor, a pre-med advisor, a Hutton advisor, and an overseas study advising. And consistently, the answers are never similar. So for an 18-year-old, it can be really difficult. And uh, big decisions being made, getting advice, different advice from four different people, expensive decisions in terms of time and money. I wonder if you could talk about
2: that. Well, I... We're certainly aware of the fact that um, that our advising program in general does need uh, a certain amount of um, uh, overhaul and uh, enhancing and and uh, building on Um, some of the some of the issues you raised. um, I think uh, uh, can can be addressed. Um, Some of them may be. uh, just the nature of the the, the disciplines and the, the nature of what a particular student is doing, but but I certainly think you're right that that we need to be uh, trying to provide, and, and we, we have now under the under Provost Rebel's, um leadership, we 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 are un- we are undertaking a major um, assessment uh, and and review of all, everything we're doing in um, in advising. Um, both, both academic advising, which is what you're talking about, but also career advising, it was something that um, I addressed in my State of the University speech last year and the year before, for that matter. And it's certainly something that was picked up by the Provost in her State of the Campus speech, and I believe she'll be picking it up again in the next one as, as, a, as a major issue that, and she'll hope she'll expect expect to be talking about progress that's been made since then. But it is a it is a major um, priority of ours because it. I think, as you're also at least alluding to, um, it's inefficient. And uh, we should be trying to drive uh, the, the efficiencies out of this so that the student is getting the, the best possible advice in the in the most um, efficient and effective way. All
0: right, Susan. Thanks a lot for the call. Uh, if you want to join the program, eight five five zero eight one one in Bloomington or one 285 9348 Outside of the Bloomington area, or you can join the live chat at wfiuorg edition. I wanted to mention um, new film studies program at IU. I know uh, Kevin Klein was here recently. Meryl Streep has been here. Glenn Close has been here. Uh, it's an area that you're very interested in. I know we have a new the new IU Cinema. Um, how do you, how does that fit into the big picture of IU, and why do you think it's important for IU to have a film film studies program?
2: Well. Bob, I think as maybe you are alluding to, I, I it's, it's um, I, I, I am a, a cinema file, but it's not just that I'm a cinema file. <laughs> um, uh, the, the, I think the way to the way to think about this when you when you really look at this look at the big picture, is um, we, we really have superb facilities to support the arts on campus, and I underline facilities, mm-hmm. the. Um, the art museum is, uh, is is outstanding. The the Mac uh, for opera and um, symphonic music, uh, uh, the uh, our hall for uh, smaller ensembles. We now have three organs in the university. Um, uh, that that uh, certainly con- well, certainly two, of which are concert quality. Um, Theatre the the two theatres um, provide uh, provide the the, um, the facilities um, along with all the other ones I just mentioned. Um, to support the great bulk of the arts but but in spite of the fact that we've had we've we've had outstanding programs in film studies now for about four decades um, we, we really didn't have the uh, the facilities to, to support film studies and, and one of the things you probably would have noticed is film studies is, is not is not just the people who are, who are specializing in in cinema as an art form but but it is pervasive across many of the other disciplines certainly in the arts and humanities so in taking the decision to establish the the IU Cinema, it was to establish a facility that will, would enable us to show the master works of cinema um, to to audiences in the best possible conditions as they were originally intended by those who made them. In the same way that we have an art gallery that can show the great, great show great paintings, we have theatres that can show the great uh, works of the stage. Um, uh, the Mac that can show the great works of opera and symphonic music, et cetera, et cetera. That, that really was the motivation. Uh, and I think we had seen that that we once had a leading position in film studies, it was probably fair to say we are concerned about maintaining that leadership, but this has really catapulted us back into into leadership. Again, I don't know whether you saw the piece in Variety uh, where Meryl Streep actually says, I mean, this is the best cinema of its kind she's seen in the country. And coming from her, I think that's high praise indeed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: I want to talk about the Proton Therapy Center here. Um, we're talking about all these areas where IU is investing, but that is one that IU has decided to close the Proton Therapy Center, and that was one of the first in the country. So I'm, I'm just curious about why the decision was made not to continue to invest in it to, to make it one of the best in the country.
2: Let, um, let, me, let me start first, Sarah, by, by saying that um, I, I have uh, nothing but, but praise uh, for the work of all those who have worked in the Pratum Therapy Centre now for uh, I guess nearly 10 years, um, uh, for the work that they've done for the relief of suffering that um, that they uh, that they helped uh, have helped bring, bring about um, for their for their dedication for their for their hard work. The the problem though that we were wrestling with was had a, had a number of different aspects to it. Um, and remember, by the way, when I say we were wrestling with the the, IU, the, the proton therapy center is, in fact, a joint cent, jointly owned by IU Health and our research and technology corporation as well. So, in fact, it's known as the IU Health Proton Therapy Center. Um, the, the problem we were wrestling with was, was firstly, that um, the cyclotron that was used to provide the proton beam for, for um, treatment was something like 40 years old. It was completely custom made. Uh, uh, you can buy. I've seen them. You can buy uh, proton devices, or they're not, they're not cheap. But you can buy proton devices off the shelf now, and you can run them with about um, ten times less people than than ours took to run. So you had a 40-year-old piece of equipment, uh, completely hand-built, that was at risk of catastrophic failure at any point, and possibly catastrophic failure that would not have been possible to rectify. Um, and new proton Proton devices are looking at, uh, one is looking at something in the range of maybe $20 million. So our concern about this, our concern about the fact that it had hardly ever uh, made money, that it was running at a substantial loss last year, for example, $3.5 million loss, the total amount that we had invested was now in the vicinity between us and IU Health was now in the vicinity of $40 million that had been invested in that. We've already written off some of that, but but um, uh, the dean of the School of Medicine uh established a an expert committee chaired by Professor um, Ted Lawrence of uh, University of Michigan, uh, who was a renowned radiation um, ecologist, uh, and they unanimously came back and recommended that we simply had no option but to, but to close it. Now remember, when we started, it, it was one of only a handful of such centres in the country. Uh, now there are something like 15, and there's another 20 under construction, and they're being built all over the place. Another way to think about it too, for another perspective on this, is if one was given a large amount of money, which is what you still need, and said you can build a proton therapy centre in Indiana, where would you build it? I don't think you'd build it in a field behind the Bloomington campus of Indiana University. You'd build it right in the middle of IU Health in Indianapolis along with all the other radiation devices and with all the radiation oncologists and radiation therapists there. So that's the dilemma that we were facing. And I think because of the scale of the losses, because we were seeing declining volume, because of the concern about the uh, the stability of the um, the machine, uh, we felt we had no option but to take the decision along with our colleagues and IU Health to take the decision to close it.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, we have about 10 minutes to go. 8550811 or 1 877 285. 9348, or you can join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. Um, I wanted to ask you about some news in recent weeks about some potential changes at uh, the Fort Wayne campus, IPFW. Um, I know Purdue has been basically like as IU is the managing partner, I guess, for lack of a better term. You can tell me what the term is at IUPUI. Purdue has sort of handled that function at, at uh, in Fort Wayne, and I think it seems as if that may be turning
2: over to IU. Uh, oh, that's that's far too premature, Bob. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> uh, and we, you, you would have seen the release we put out. I think it was yesterday on this. Um, uh, the, the, the the situation is is that IPFW is a creation of of both the boards of Purdue and Indiana University, um, and the, the agreement that established it. Uh, gives the authority to run and manage it to, to Purdue. A bit like IAPY, though, though much more so, um, there are multiple IU, IU programs up there, which means that when you get a degree in certain areas up there, business and others, that's actually a, an IU degree. In other areas, it's, it's a Purdue degree and so on as well. Based on uh, the report that uh, that came out a few, or um, well, about a month ago now, um, uh, there, there was a recommendation that uh, the the management of of the campus be uh, be be looked at uh, and uh, possibly um, moved to us. Um, th- 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 to do this, uh, this would be a massive step. And so, what uh, President Daniels and I agreed was that we would each establish uh, we sorry we would each um, uh, nominate a person who um, would would begin negotiations between our two institutions. Um, looking at all the issues that this would involve. And I, I've, um, I've identified um, Vice President Mike Sample, the Vice President for uh, Public Affairs and Government Relations. He's identified uh, uh, Vice President Julie Griffith, uh, Mike's equivalent, and uh, the two of them will, in the next few weeks, um, begin discussions. But when you think about it, um, to, to, we, we have nothing to do with the management of Fort Wayne. So to, to even, even um, assess the... Uh, the the feasibility of of a step like that we have to understand the the finances the the, the structure of the institution, what its uh, commitments are uh, what the impact of all that would be on us and, you know et cetera, et cetera. I mean there's a significant amount of work that has to be done to even to, to even see whether this makes um, makes any sense or not and and Mike and Julie are going to start that process soon.
0: okay, so that's going to be a long time. Uh Project.
2: I don't see this. I don't see it being possible for anything to happen here quickly. Even if uh, that, that, that turned out to be the direction to go mm-hmm. in, but I think at the moment uh, it's 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 all a complete unknown. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but we have to start somewhere. So Mike and Julie will start that process. All right. Thank you.
1: I want to ask about the student athlete bill of rights. This summer, IU became the first one to institute something like this. It includes tutoring, health services, um, a whole a whole range of things. Um, one thing that's not mentioned is compensation. So, I, I, I guess my question is, does it sort of def- defer the issue of whether we should be paying these students?
2: Well, I, I think um, we, we've we've made it clear that that uh, um, we're we're committed to the the amateur model of intercollegiate athletics, and through the um, student athlete bill of rights, um, what what we've endeavoured to do is to um, considerably expand all the ways in which we support student athletes. Um, one of these is to cover the full cost of, of their attendance so that uh, they're not, and this is particularly important for students from low-income backgrounds, so that uh, they're not out of pocket for a penny uh, in, in, in terms of the scholarships they get at, uh, at IU will cover the full costs. I think another step, and I, and I just cannot stress enough, I think, the importance of this, is that scholarships will be full, full four-year scholarships, so a student, um, a student no longer has to worry about losing his or her scholarship if they don't, um, uh, if if they have, uh, uh, if they get cut from the team for performance problems because they're not you know, running as fast or performing as well on whatever the, in the particular sport that they play, and so on. That 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 they can be guarant- they can be guaranteed a scholarship and they can focus on. Their, their work without being worried about where the next dollar is coming from, so to speak, but but in in particular, um, what we what we will also guarantee is that, and I said this yesterday, but I'll just repeat it now, is is that if a student after two years for whatever reason um, leaves the university, maybe to go professional or, or to do something else, and breaks his or her leg and can never perform again, never on the, on uh, athletically again, um, they're left without a degree and probably left without anything. So we will guarantee that they can come back to IU and finish um, up the rest of that scholarship and finish their degree and then take their career from there as well. Um, and and uh, that, that, this we see as being an enhancement of the amateur model of intercollegiate athletics and uh, we think it's the one that makes most sense for us as, uh, as a university. There are uh, you know
0: so many other issues we could talk about today. I want to mention a couple uh, one in particular you've also stressed that uh, diversity is a major you want, would like that to be a major hallmark of your time here as a president and improving the diversity on campus. Can you give us an update on what's happening on that
2: um, uh, Vice President James Wimbush is is going to give a full-scale um, report on uh, on diversity uh, at uh, the October trustee meeting actually so um, he'll provide a lot of detail but I, I think I think the the, the the key thing is we've we've seen again overall uh, in terms of um, uh, minority students we've, we've seen again across all the campuses in total uh, an increase again um, we across all campuses taken together Indiana University um, very closely approximates the the um, uh, make up uh, the ethnic makeup of the state now We're within you know, one or two percent. I mean it's very close to it, um, but it's not uniform across all the campuses. And one of the campuses on which it's not uniform is Bloomington. Um, now we have seen an improvement this year, and I, I must give enormous credit to uh, to Vice President Wimbush. He's he's done an outstanding uh, job, um, uh, brought kind of renewed uh, vigor and energy to to this position, and. Um, along with his his colleagues new um, uh, colleagues he's, a, he's appointed there um, so I think we've I think we've um, made progress I think overall as a university we've made a lot of progress but the place that that we simply have more work to do is is here in Bloomington but but we have made we have at least made some more progress I'm hoping to see that uh, if if we can continue this progress that uh, that this campus will start to more closely approximate the ethnic uh, uh, makeup of the state by the bicentennial. Mm -hmm.
1: Can we talk about the efforts IU is making to combat sexual assault on campus? Mm -hmm. The numbers, I think, are one in four um, college women uh, is assaulted, and President Obama just unveiled a new campaign this morning. And I know IU has launched some things this year as well, but those numbers have stayed consistent, I think, since the '80s. So, if if you can talk about any successes you've seen thus far, or...
2: um, we we uh, released the um, uh, details of a new student welfare initiative. I mean, no, nothing is more important to us than the the welfare of of our students, and and the particular issue that you mentioned. Um, uh, sexual violence uh, is one of um, uh, just enormous uh, importance and, and concern as well. Um, the the Student Welfare Initiative um, it, it has involved the establishment of a number of different groups who are all charged with a comprehensive review of all of our policies and procedures and putting in place. Um, New programs. We we have, uh, for example, a a very widespread um, new information um, uh, program on 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 the campus, just informing people, um, uh, young men and women, about um, uh, about what they can do uh, in circumstances uh, if they find themselves in um, problematic circumstances as well. But but one of the things I do want to stress in this area, though, is um, I think what what is sort of clear to us is is that we can um, we we can establish uh, uh, plenty of committees and we can put lots of money into information campaigns and so on and they all have a, a significant impact. But but at the end of the day, um, the, the 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 people who have the biggest or can have the biggest impact on many students or other students and and um, uh, and in that regard, uh, on, on uh, the Bloomington campus, for example, um, our, our students are completely at their own initiative, but, but I think with, with enormous credit, have um, established an initiative called Culture of Care. And, and that was established by a number of younger women. Um, uh, and it's really, it's really focused on what students can do to help reduce uh, the incidence of the kinds of problems you were referring to before, um, through things like uh, bystander intervention, bystander awareness, um, uh, students caring for other students um, in uh, situations that are, that are problematic and so on as well. That, I think, has been very successful and has attracted a lot of attention. And um, uh, when we, when we uh, presented to the Higher Education Commission last week on our, uh, on our budget and other issues as well, they got, a, they got a presentation on this and other, our other initiatives. I should also mention that, that the White House has actually been in touch with us about the programs we have here already um, and uh, as examples of uh, some of the uh, more impressive programs uh, to really address this issue, both institutionally and the level of students around the, around the country. So certainly this is an area that uh, will get n- nothing but uh, um, increased attention from the institution uh, over the next year as well.
0: We have just one minute to go, but I wanted to ask, you know, you've uh, put a great deal of effort into the technology park out at Tenton
2: College. What's next out there? Um, I, I, there's, there's a number of buildings that, that we have out there at the moment that, that um, we are looking at. Uh, these are older buildings mm-hmm. and so on. We, we are looking at uh, the possibility of renovating those and, and repurposing mm-hmm. them for, for some other purposes. So I think, I think in, the, in the short term, that's going to be the next major thing that, that we, we do out there. Um, uh, we, we, we certainly hope that um, as the, the park um, grow, uh, matures in, in various ways that, that we can see an expansion of, of the activities there. The, I should say you mentioned uh, the pro therapy Centre. That, that building still, though, will house the Centre for the Exploration of Energy and Matter. Uh, from the physics department, so it will still remain a node in the broader technology depart park um, uh, on uh, the bypass. Okay,
0: all right, and we are out of time. I want to thank uh, Indiana University President Michael McRobbie for being here. It's always a pleasure. And for, thank you, Bob, for Sarah Whitmire. Thanks for sitting in today, Sarah. Thank you. And thank you, Sarah. Producer Lacey Scarmana and engineer Mike Mike I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening.
3: The Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org.
0: Production support comes from Smithville Communications, serving Southern Indiana with fiber gigabit internet and digital IPTV. More information at smithville.net.
1: And from School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. publichealth.indiana.edu.